Good morning and welcome. The Lord be with you. Grace and peace to us all. In the name of Christ our Lord, we gather on this Lord's Day because we remember the first day of the week Christ was discovered to be raised from the dead. We are a resurrection people now and always. It is a great joy to share in this time of worship, to know the presence of the risen Christ with you all. Thank you for sharing in worship at First Church this morning. I will remind you that to your right or left on your pews, you'll find a registration pad. Please sign those. It just helps us to have you sign those as we gather and worship God together. Helpful as well to know of your participation and support of the fellowship and mission opportunities before us. A reminder that next Saturday, the third Saturday of the month, will be the Ministry of the Food Bank and Clothes Closet from the Uptown Ministry Center. We always welcome and are grateful for volunteers to share in that ministry. Also, some Lenten activities, uh, the Lenten study titled The Walk. Uh, I hope you may be supportive of that in the season of Lent, which quickly approaches. Also, confirmation class to begin next Sunday as well. And then uh, we know that uh, Stacy Humphrey spoke to us about the Reach Out and Read ministry. Uh, you'll find a box in the breezeway for your contributions and support of that wonderful uh, ministry. And also, following this time of worship, hope you will remain and make your way to the fellowship hall for a wonderful time of reception. I know that uh, this fellowship hall has been decorated. We have the great smell of food down there. So I hope you'll be a part of that following this time of worship. And a reminder, too, that you are welcome to remain here until 2 o'clock. Our district superintendent, Denise Bates, is to be with us to speak uh, about the preparations for the United Methodist General Conference in May, about the future of the United Methodist Church, a Q&A time. Again, all are welcome to be a part of that. Jill? Well, as the scriptures say, Today, the Lord has made today, let us rejoice and be glad in it. And today is a wonderful day for First United Methodist Church here in Marcusville, Virginia. For many reasons, we're, we're gathered together in worship. But this month marks two years since I walked through these doors to actually be a substitute, which ended up being an interim, and then you all decided to hire me, which I was very thankful for. And I have felt the blessing of the Lord in my life with you since I have been here worshiping and working for you. And today's scripture, I chose today to be the special day in our liturgy because today's scripture out of Matthew deals with the text of you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And in that scripture is my baptismal text which is the text that says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And one of the things, the blessings that I got to share when I came to this church was the friendship of this rascal right here beside of me, <laughs> Kenneth Byron Corcoran, or as we lovingly call him, and even when I was thinking of coming here to be uh, a, a substitute, Porky called me, and in my fashion, we were on the phone for about five and a half hours. <laughs> right? And he gave me the history, I mean, all the way back to, you know, when Jesus was a child in this church. <laughs> and, and that phone call, a budding friend, 
director of music ministries. And I do not take that lightly. And I do not take lightly that today we celebrate him with colleagues that have gone before and our dear minister of music, Becky Smith, and as well, Kitty Campbell Neal came all the way from Black Mountain, North Carolina to be with us today to celebrate this. When I realized what a mighty man this was, I went to another marvel in this wonderful community of Martinsville called Sonia Ford. Corky introduced me to her over lunch at Frank's Place out at King's Grant one lovely day. But I got to know Sandra's music before I ever met Sandra. And so that meeting was just so special. And the Lord spoke to my heart that day at that lunch. And I went to Sandra and said, I want to commission a piece from you to honor the 26 years that Corky was the minister of music here. And so what did she do? She put pen to paper and came up with a text, creating God, you give the, joy, the gift of music, and we are going to present that today to you after our opening prayer. But prior to that, I have some little minions in the choir, and we took Sandra's text, Rebecca Crabtree, with the beautiful talent of her calligraphy, put pen to paper. My dear president, Marianne McConnell took it to Baxter Robertson. Is Baxter here today? Yes. To frame this piece. So, Corky, if you'll wait one moment. And the joy for me is that I do believe I kept the secret. <laughs>
tell you one thing. I hope Jill stays here for 26 years <laughs> or more. today we will I will allow our prelude to send our hearts and our minds and our souls into preparing for worship because I truly want us to worship together I want to read to you the text that Sandra wrote that you will be hearing in this anthem and then I would also like to ask you at the end of the service we don't often do this but at the benediction I'd like for all of you to be seated for the final choral benediction and the postlude that Julia and I will play for you. Let music today take you to the highest realms of glory and worship the Lord, our Savior. Creating God, you give the joy of music, a gift of grace you lovingly bestow. And tune our senses even to your silence with heaven's notes that echo here below. So let your gracious spirit move within us that we may know the love that you impart, transforming souls with thankfulness and wonder. Create your song of joy within each heart. Eternal God, your music has sustained us in troubled times, a substitute for prayer. For through the years it always served to bind us in closer fellowship within your care. So let your gracious spirit move within us that we may know the love that you impart, transforming souls with thankfulness and wonder. Create your song of joy within each heart. Redeeming God, you touch each generation inspiring those with gifts to then respond and use those skills and talents in your service <coughs> to kindle grateful hearts in sacred song. So let your gracious spirit move within us that we may know the love that you impart, transforming souls with thankfulness and wonder. Create your song of joy within each heart. Thank you so much, Sandra. Let us worship the Lord.
Before Brady leads us in our call to worship, uh, there will be no children's church <clears throat> during this time of worship, and the parents' meeting that had been planned following the time of worship will be rescheduled as well. So again, no children's church and no parents' meeting uh, this afternoon that will be rescheduled. Brady, thank you for leading us in the call to worship. Let us stand. Please join me in the call to worship. We are called to bring a new understanding of God, that God so loves the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are called to bring a new hope in God, that we are, that, that God gives us new life. We are the light of the world. We are called to follow the commandments and the law. The law of God is to love God who loves us. Let us be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. God, let us love one another and love the love of God. Let us join together in our love of God to worship and follow Jesus.
Please join me in the opening prayer. Faithful God, you have called us to be a light shining in the world. Make us reflect the light of Christ so that people see your love and move us through our words and actions. We ask this through your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
ask Lila Corcoran to come forward, prepare to read the gospel lesson. As she comes, I will offer a prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Lord, pour your spirit upon us. As your word is shared, remove all from us that would keep us from hearing your word. More than we know, we come this day hungry for your word. And may it be your pleasure to fill us, to satisfy us, to renew us, to refresh us as people of your holy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trodden underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Think not that I have come to abolish the law and prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches men, so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Wow. Thank you. I think the choir is having a wonderful day, aren't they? So. And certainly the choir is as it is now in large part because of Corky's service for so many years. Uh, such an appropriate day to remember you are the light of the world and especially as we see the beautiful light coming through these beautiful windows and to know that your light is still shining so brightly. And uh, every pastor should be fortunate, so fortunate as to have someone like you in their church. I know not every pastor has that good fortune but I'm grateful that I am Corky. You're not just a gifted leader of music, you are a passionate, loving friend, and I'm grateful. Well, who knew that Jesus thought so much of us to give us a day such as this? I mean, we understand it is expected and it is appropriate for us to come to this place of worship and to sing the praises of Jesus. But who knew that as we come to this place, we would come to discover that Jesus, at the same time, sings the praises of you and me. And we heard him. In this Sermon on the Mount, in this inaugural address of his ministry, this address by which Jesus cast his vision for ministry, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hid nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. Let your light so shine before all that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Who knew that Jesus, Lord of all heaven and earth, the one to whom every knee shall bow, whether on earth or above the earth or beneath the earth, and every tongue confessed that he is Lord, had such high praise for us. Again, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Yes, you. And this being true because Jesus <laughs> says it is true, let your light shine. Because it makes all the difference in the world when we let our light shine it is the difference between light and a darkness. Peggy Waymeyer is a former religion reporter for ABC. She now lives in Dallas, and she wrote an article published in the Washington Post last year in which she recalled her early days as an early morning anchor news at the ABC affiliate in Dallas. Each weekday, she writes, she would set her alarm for 2.30 a.m., did you know there's a 2.30 a.m.? I didn't know that. But apparently, at least in Dallas, there's a 2.30 a.m. And she would shower and put on her nice clothing and makeup, and she would speed to her workplace. But as challenging as this schedule was, she recalls the biggest obstacle to her success as an early morning news anchor wasn't the hours. It wasn't the wardrobe or her on-air delivery. It was what she referred to as the enemy next door. You see, her next door neighbor had a Yorkshire Terrier that barked incessantly each evening, running along the chain link fence outside her bedroom window. 
And in order to get enough sleep to function for her job, Peggy writes, she was under the covers with the lights out by 8 p.m. She asked her neighbor to take the dog inside for the night. The neighbor ignored her. So morning after morning, Peggy dragged herself out of bed, guzzled coffee, slouched her way to work, and her resentment grew, wondering how could an eight-pound dog sabotage her best efforts to excel in a competitive TV market. She lay in bed each night listening to the dog's shrill bark, imagined all the ways she could silence it. <laughs> it wasn't pretty, she says. And she wondered who she was becoming. This woman who sang in church each Sunday and on Monday would dream up a way to hurt her neighbor's pet. But instead of silencing the Yorkie, she and her husband filed a noise complaint with the city, and the court set a hearing for December 24th. <laughs> Wasn't that nice? When Peggy's in-laws arrived for their Christmas visit, she asked them whom she considered spiritual heroes and mentors, what they would do about the dog. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, her father-in-law said, you'll love your enemy, not sue her. This was a man who had suffered in a Japanese prisoner of war camp during World War II, had forgiven his brutal captors, and over the years, Peggy had seen him epitomize what it meant to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So as Christmas approached, Peggy walked across the driveway, dividing their homes, and she climbed the front steps, knocked on her neighbor's door. The neighbor answered, what do you want? I came to apologize, Peggy said. I'm sorry I've ramped up this conflict by taking you to court on Christmas Eve. I don't want to fight anymore. If there's anything I can do to be a better neighbor, I hope you'll let me know. As she watched the surprise register on her neighbor's face, Peggy glanced over her shoulder into her cluttered living room where a toddler sat coloring. Her rage gave way to compassion. A few weeks later, the neighbor, named Laura, crossed the driveway to knock on Peggy's door. You said you wanted to be a good neighbor, she said, looking at the floor. I've run out of grocery money for the week, and I'm wondering if you could lend me enough to buy milk for my daughter. Really? Peggy wanted to say to God in disbelief, isn't that a little much? But she found a $20 bill, and it wasn't long before she and Laura began talking over the fence about the neighborhood and Laura's little girl, Cassie. Laura repaid the milk money. The dog stopped barking. And Peggy came to know Laura as a bright and kind woman with a warm smile. Over time, she learned Laura had been deeply wounded, had struggled with mental illness, much like Peggy's late mother. Laura told Peggy she had one friend, and it was her. When Laura's brother died of AIDS, she went to Peggy's house on the day of his funeral. She asked Peggy if she would listen to his favorite song with her. She didn't want to do this alone. 
When the music ended, Peggy was unsure of what to say. She reached for Laura's hand, asked if she could pray for her. She nodded, teary-eyed. Peggy and Laura were neighbors for seven years before they each moved to different parts of town. Peggy attended her daughter's wedding, but they eventually lost touch. And then Peggy found out Laura was in the hospital near death. She called Cassie, asked if she could visit her mother. Yes, please come, Peggy said. Cassie said, you were her only friend. It would mean a lot. Peggy rushed to the hospital, found Laura's room, leaned over Laura's bed, their faces close to each other. Laura, it's Peggy, your friend, and I'm here. You're not alone. I love you. God loves you. Laura opened her eyes briefly, closed them again. Peggy writes, I could swear she knew I was there, but in truth, I'll really never know. You are the light of the world, says Jesus. And he means what he says, and Peggy Waymeyer, in spite of herself, heard his words. And I don't know about you, but I believe I can see her light shining all the way from Dallas. You see, imagine the difference if Peggy does not pay attention to these words of Jesus. If Peggy doesn't hear these words, if she doesn't take them seriously, a lawsuit against her neighbor takes place Christmas Eve. If Peggy does not listen to these words of Jesus, a young single mother has no groceries for her young child. If Peggy does not take these words seriously, conflict grows between her and her neighbor for seven years. If Peggy doesn't take seriously the words of Jesus, you are the light of the world. Her neighbor does not come to her home the day her brother is buried. She is not there to listen to the brother's favorite song. She is not there to pray for her neighbor. If Peggy pays no attention to these words of Jesus, she doesn't attend the wedding of her neighbor's daughter. She's not there to hold her neighbor as she dies. She's not there to tell her she's not alone, that she is with her. God is with her. You're the light of the world, says Jesus, and he means it. You see, lives are changed when we let our light shine to the glory of God, and there are consequences if we do not let our light shine if we hide our light under a bushel. There's difference between light, the darkness, there is also this. Who are we to defy Jesus? A few years ago, a friend sent an email listing the responses of a variety of persons to this simple statement. What I've learned. It appears there was some social exercise in which persons randomly were asked to respond to what I've learned. Persons of all ages were asked to respond, and I share some of the responses to what I've learned with you. 
A child age 13 says, I've learned that when I get my room the way I like it, mom makes me clean it up. Someone age 46 writes, I've learned that children and grandparents are natural allies. Is that true? Someone age 82 says, I've learned that even when I have pains, I don't have to be one. A seven-year-old says, I've learned that you can't hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. Someone age 52 tells us, I've learned that you can tell a lot about a man by the way he handles three things, a rainy day, lost luggage, and a tangled Christmas tree lights. Yeah, it's not, it's not pretty, is it, guys? A 15-year-old says, I've learned that although it's hard to admit, I'm secretly glad my parents are strict. A 29-year-old tells us, I've learned that wherever I go, the world's worst drivers have followed me there. <laughs> now, I appreciate the good humor we find in these responses to, I've learned that. I appreciate how we can relate to these bits of insight, how we nod as we find connections between their responses and our lives. But there are more responses offered to the statement, I've learned that, and Many of these responses are not as humorous, but they are just as true and are just as recognizable. And in many of these responses to I've learned that, I meet persons who are committed to live as the salt of the earth, determined to let their lights shine. Because there is the 39-year-old who tells us, I've learned that if someone says something unkind about me, I must live so that no one will believe it. Because there is a 24-year-old who says, I've learned that silent company is often more healing than words of advice. Because there is the 62-year-old who tells us, I've learned that life sometimes gives you a second chance. Because there is the 29-year-old who tells us, I've learned that brushing my child's hair is one of life's great pleasures. Because there's the 72-year-old who says, I've learned that everyone can use a prayer. Because there is the seven-year-old who tells us, I've learned that I like my teacher because she cries when we sing Silent Night. You are the salt of the earth, says Jesus. You are the light of the world. Who are we to disagree? Notice Jesus offers no qualifications, no conditions with these statements. He could not be any clearer. You are the salt of the earth. Yes, you. You are the light of the world. I'm talking to you. Let your light shine. Hear these high words, these high words of praise from Jesus. 
because Jesus knows this makes all the difference in the world. Amen. Stand as we sing. standing, please. We affirm our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed as they are before us and as they are found as number 882. We affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection from the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As we remain standing, let us welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ.
we prepare to worship God together as our ushers will come forward and we receive God's tithes and our offerings. Let us pray. Lord, you bless us beyond measure. We offer to you our praise and our thanks. We offer unto you these gifts, knowing that in your care they accomplish great things out of your desire to love and bless your people now and always. Amen.
may be seated. I invite us to gather together in a time of prayer. We know it's the prayers of the people. In which I will name a series of petitions and conclude each petition with the words, Lord, in your mercy. And I invite from you the response, hear our prayer, and invite you to name those concerns you would like to speak as we go to God together, as we pray, and then as we share in the prayer that Christ has taught us. Let us pray. The Lord, hear us as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. Bishop Lewis, Denise Bates, Ministries of First Church, the United Methodist Church. <coughs> Lord, in your mercy. Hear Lord, hear our prayers gathered with those of your saints, whose presence we know now, and who join their voices to ours, praying as Christ has taught us. Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.
reminder that following the benediction, we invite you to remain seated for the choral postlude. Dylan and I will proceed, as we usually do, uh, following the words of benediction, but if you will remain seated, please. Go now in peace, you beautiful lights of the world. Let your light shine to the glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit.